Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Welcome to episode 53 of the Victors, the Michigan Sports Podcast. We are affiliated with Between the Whistles Detroit, a JC Sports Network exclusive. I'm your host, Chad Mazegan, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jordan Dean. How are you doing after another, yet another Michigan victory? 4-0, baby. Doing well, man. Just one game at a time. One game at a time. Absolutely. That's all, all you can really do. And, you know, Saturday overall was a big day. Big day in college football around the nation. We'll certainly get to that in a little bit, but let's start with our with our Wolverines that got the four and zero. First of all, Jim Harbaugh back on the sidelines and helped guide this team to a thirty one to seven victory over the Rutgers uh, to begin Big Ten play for the Wolverines. Um, overall, you know they got the job done. Uh, there were times where you, you know could have been cleaner. Uh, you know some things could have been cleaner, but. Overall, Michigan got the job done. Uh, they did it in pretty satisfying fashion, uh, or uh, yeah, pretty satisfying fashion. But um, satisfaction—that's what I was going for. Um, but yeah, what are your initial thoughts on this game after watching it Saturday? Yeah, I mean, you and I were going back and forth a little bit throughout the game. I mean, it, it, I, it was good to see our team respond after a little adversity right off rip on Jump Street on defense. You know, just you know, they gave up that seventy-yard, eighty-yard slant for a touchdown, and you know the. You know, you never know how teams are going to respond. If it's like, oh, shoot, actually, we're in a game we need to play. And we, let's be honest, we haven't uh, played real opponents in the first three games, right? So not saying Rutgers is anything to be scared of, but they were definitely the best team all around that we played from top to bottom. So when you're not playing top to your opponents, you kind of can either play down to your the, the team that you're playing against or, uh, you know, not get the best reps that you could. So it was good to see us, you know, Bounce back, have a great day on defense. I thought we played outstanding on defense outside that one play, and offense did what they needed to do. You know, was it the best performance we've had on offense from top to bottom? No, but it's it was solid on both sides. Yeah, and, and you know, got to give Shiano credit. He's he's built that Rutgers program up, and I'm not saying that just to Absolutely. say like, oh, Michigan beat them 31 to seven, and Rutgers are better now. No, but the Rutgers are going to compete. They're not the bottom or the floor of the big 10 anymore they're gonna be they're still lower to middle like their ceilings probably middle of the big 10 um you know especially being in the big 10 east they're in a you know obviously top yeah, heavy. you put them yeah you put them in the west they, they could compete over there they know? probably like, would um but yeah. definitely they're better than they were three four years ago shannon's done a good job at least getting that to be respectable um and you know i, I expect them to keep building a little bit and i give them credit you know we talk about how they took that what, 69 yard slant to the house. Um, you know, whether, whether it was purposeful or not on that first drive, uh, they targeted Rod Moore, who was yet to play this year. And I, not so much in the sense, I know Rod Moore wasn't covering, but slant, you know, beat the corner. Rod Moore's the last one between him and the end zone and Rod Moore missed the tackle, you know, third play in on a, on a series of the, or third play of his season, uh, of season for him. Uh, he's rusty and he missed the tackle and they were able to capitalize on that. Luckily, Michigan buckled down after that. But, you know, good good for the Rutgers for, uh, you know, if they purposefully identified that and things like that. But, uh, you know, Michigan obviously came through in the end. Um, but like no, no, you said, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like you said, you know, overall, solid day. Jim Harbaugh was back and you kind of felt that in the game plan. Um, you know, we talked about much to the first three weeks. Michigan was about 50-50 run pass. Even that last game, maybe a little more pass happy um, against Bowling Green. Uh, but going to this game, 
Michigan ran it about 65% of the time to about 35% passing. And you kind of felt that is more of a Harbaugh's, you know, since he's been here. I know we've talked about like, hey, Michigan's need to pass to win if they really want to take that next step to be a national title contender. They're going to have to pass more, rely on the pass a little bit more, make big plays in the passing game. Um, but you kind of felt them kind of go back to, hey, and, you know, maybe it has to do with we've talked about the run game being a little inconsistent this year, not as dominant has been it has been in years past. So maybe Harbaugh was like, hey, we need to really get our bread and butter taken care of here or really stress that, and then we can work on the other stuff, right? But um, – Overall, you know, the offense had 415 total yards. They passed for 214, rushed for 201 as a team. Uh, they were 8 for 13 on third down, so really good efficiency there. 2 for 2 on fourth down. Um, you know, opposite, they held Rutgers to only 3 for 10 on third down, 0 for 3 on fourth down. Um, only gave up 10 first downs total and, you know, only <clears throat> 180 yards total. So really, you know, a good day uh, for Michigan overall in the stat column. Maybe the game was a little closer than you would have liked it to be in the first half, uh, start of that game. But really once um, uh, Mike took that pick six to the house and uh, that really flipped the momentum there and got Michigan really where they needed to be moving forward for the rest of that game. No, no doubt. Uh, talk about that pick for a second, man. That, that's probably one of the best plays I've seen on a screen from a, a nickel corner in college football, man. That was a really level well, to man. be able to – to defeat a block, get in the hip pocket of a receiver, make that pick, and then keep his balance after getting hit by his own teammate, really. And, you know, I mean, it looked – at bang-bang play, it looked like he, uh, he was down. He just kept his feet and kept going. I mean, it was an elite play by Mike Sanders, so. Yeah, that was picture perfect of, you know, identifying things you saw on film, on the field, and then having the ability to make the play. And then after making the interception, having the control over his body to find a way to get, you know, take it to the house right so overall just a fantastic play by one of our you know big time defensive leaders star players on the back end um and you know he's the, he's the type of guy you look for when maybe you know the team needs a jolt things like that you know he can make things happen so always good to see um with that let's get into the good and the bad and the ugly our typical segment for uh recapping games and we'll start with the good obviously i feel like it's been a reoccurring theme for since we've started this podcast now uh Blake Horam uh heading headlining the good you know it's not the prettiest game stat wise he's definitely had you know prettier stat lines but 21 carries for 97 yards and two touchdowns you know 4.6 average not awful um we knew the Rutgers had a solid defense uh run defense going into this by the numbers um and it kind of showed you know Michigan bullied them a little bit but uh you saw that you know the Rutgers stats is even though they haven't played uh, the toughest schedule, you know you're gonna. I think you're gonna see that run defense stay uh, pretty respectable throughout the season. They 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 look like they uh, played the run pretty sound on defense, and I wouldn't expect that to change very much. Um, and you know, Corm man, he just has a nose for the end zone. I know he's like the short body back, but it's kind of like, dude, you create a little gap for him in that offensive line. He he's got the vision to sniff that out and and extend it. Uh, you know, maximize what's there, even if it's not a lot. Absolutely. I think it's, it's his frame, you know, just being short and stocky and explosive as he is. And he has that ability to just, like you said, fit through tiny holes that are there. And I just think something that he has that kind of separates himself from a lot of a lot of backs is just his ability to run his feet through contact and, and not really go down first on first contact hardly at all. 
So, you know, if it's third and four, third and three, we're pretty confident he's going to get the first down. I, Not really a back like him in a country right now. I think he's top tier. Yeah, and he's looking more comfortable with his cuts and stuff. I know we've talked about that a little bit on the last couple episodes. Like, hey, you know, he's learning to trust himself again, trust that knee yep. a little bit. Um, and you can see it, 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 it's evident that that is becoming more comfortable. He's becoming more comfortable with his abilities, uh, you know, week to week here as we move forward into the season. Uh, JJ McCarthy, gotta definitely uh, mention him. Big bounce back game after uh, Bowling Green. I think uh, Sharon Moore, uh, good offensive game plan to kind of keep things simple for him, kind of get him back in a rhythm. He missed a couple throws early, a little inaccurate on a couple throws early, but really got him settled down. A very nice stat line 15 for 21, 214 yards and a touchdown. Also added 51 yards on the ground on seven carries. Um, so overall, just a solid day, good bounce back day. Uh, you know, get his confidence back up a little bit, trust what he's doing, trust what he's, you know, seeing, uh, you know, and everything that's going on on the offense. Um, I think that's 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 good on the coaching staff to identify like, hey, you know, maybe we cut it a little too loose, let him, let him do a little too much in that Bowling Green game. Maybe got a little overconfident, things like that with our game plan on, you know, trying to push the ball down the field and things like that, uh, taking chances. You know, let's reel it back a little bit. Just give them, you know, let them take what's there. Take a couple shots. They drew up a couple, you know, a nice triple or double reverse play to Colston Loveland down the sideline after, you know, handoff to Corm, then handoff back to Edwards, and then, you know, kind of flea flicker back to, uh, uh, to McCarthy before they threw it down. So, um, but they got him in a rhythm and, uh, you know, very encouraging uh, coming off that three interception game against Bowling Green. No doubt, he was you know cool, calm, and collected. It was the JJ from a couple of the first couple of weeks of the year. You know his 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 timing in the pocket, his his internal clock. Uh, you know he extended plays when he had to. He got rid of the ball, and then you know it was good to see. It, it does sound like it was intentional the first few weeks. You know to limit the quarterback runs, which I totally understand. No need to take the extra beatings if uh, you can get it done with other stuff. But to, good to see that we you know we've we're in a place where. If need be, you know, we can rely on JJ to, you know, pull it and run or do do some type of quarterback design runs and, you know, add that to our game to keep us balanced uh, and have to make defenses, have to defend basically anybody that's on the field. Absolutely. And going back to Colson Loveland, you know, I he's in this column I told for you, sure. I was about right with the stats this game. I was, you were. Like, I was like five to seven receptions, almost 100 yards. You know, I, I thought he was going to get a touchdown, but 75 yards, you know, he, he – that that the play that stood out to me was that uh, a throw down the seam to him. I think that was a great route to stem up the linebacker, get back on the hash, and JJ threw a bullet. That was just a you know a a, a top tier tight end to a quarterback connection. Yeah, and I know Roman Wilson's kind of been the the star so far this this through four games and things like that, looking like JJ's favorite tar- target. But I still feel like Colston Loveland now, especially with Ronnie Bell moved on to the NFL. Um, he's really JJ's safety blanket. You know, JJ trusts him a lot. Um, trying to get him the ball and that he'll he'll get the ball in uh, you know high le- leverage situations and things like that. And obviously, he's just a big bodied kid with some good athleticism. So you you trust that you know you give him a ball in his catch radius that you know 
more often than not, he's going to come down with that. So I think you're going to see this, this trend continue of, you know, Loveland getting, you know, like you said, probably four to seven catches a game, probably, you know, anywhere from six to 10 targets a game. And, you know, they're going to feed him uh, all over the field, you know, short routes, deep routes, intermediate, uh, he can be used everywhere. Yeah. Especially, in, I, I, especially with the, uh, Addition of AJ Barner too. I think it's allowing Colston to, uh, you know, yes, he's he's got the run blocking, but AJ Barner kind of that's kind of his game, right? So it allows Colston kind of line up in a, you know, at the H back position, motion over, you know, can be in the slot. So it's kind of allowing him to really be the most versatile aspect of the tight end position at Michigan when AJ Barner can be kind of that down and dirty tight end and you know do the check release stuff that he's very very good at. Absolutely. And kind of finish up our good segment here. Uh, just Jim Harbaugh being back on the sidelines. I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think uh, having him back was a, you know, a little bit of a calming presence. Not that we ever got really out of hand, you know, maybe outside of the initial drive Rutgers, a little bit of shock factor scoring a minute into the game, but you know, just having him on the sideline to keep everyone kind of calm, uh, kind of get things back to normal, things like that. And, you know, not that more Harbaugh, Jay Harbaugh, uh, Mike Hart or Jesse Minter did a bad job by any means. They filled in, did very well um, for the situation they were in. Um, but obviously Harbaugh's got years and years of experience at multiple different levels, multiple different levels of college ball. And just having him back on the sideline with all that experience, you know, and leadership style, um, you know, pays pays big time for, for this team and, uh, you know, moving forward the rest of the season with them there. Can't, can't disagree, my friend. Uh, moving to the bad, and you know more by bad, just things not quite where they need to be or where we want them to be at this point. Um, and let's start with the offensive line uh, again. By any means, not bad at all. And we've talked about this a couple times since Saturday. Just you know, it's hard to throw an offensive line together through the transfer portal because the offensive line so is so reliant on chemistry and working together and consistency, consistency within a scheme and system. And, you know, yes, Michigan returned some elite guys like Zinter and things like that, but replacing Alu Omadi, who arguably was the best center in football last year. And you can see, again, not that Nugent's bad, but he's not elite like Alu Omadi was. Um, <clears throat> same with losing uh, Keegan to the NFL. Now you have... Um, Henderson and Hinton kind of rotating, you know, Michigan's shown in the last couple games, uh, we have a right tackle rotation kind of going to really find out who that starter is going to be. And, you know, we were talking about how they kind of need to find that sooner rather than later. You don't want to really continue this right tackle rotation much, much longer into the season. Yeah. You can probably get away with it for a couple games here more just with Nebraska, Minnesota strength of opponent, things like that. But you really want to get that chemistry down, find who that guy's going to be. It does sound like Hinton's kind of been dealing with an injury, and that's part of the reason for the rotation. Um, but obviously, both Hinton and Henderson, uh, you know, transfers coming in uh, this offseason who were, you know, both told, obviously, hey, you're going to have a chance to win the starting job. And um, obviously, we're still trying to find out who's going to start. But again, it kind of just goes back like, you know, Michigan's had elite offensive lines the last couple of years. Um, still good this year. I just don't know if we can call this offensive line elite yet. Um, obviously it looks like it's not as strong as it was the last couple of years. But again, once these guys play more and more throughout the season, this is a unit I can, t I 
expect to continue to get better as they build their chemistry together, get more comfortable. Um, the new guys getting more comfortable in the system, things like that. Um, and we'll see, we'll see them uh, keep improving, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it is tough to replace, you know, two top-tier linemen, like you mentioned. I mean, Ulamati was, I think, the best player in college as far as when it comes to the center position. And then losing Hayes to the NFL, I think that's what you meant, not Keegan. Oh, but, Hayes, uh, yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, 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 you're completely fine. You know, we, got, we got Keegan back and uh, our, our boy Zinter on the other side. So the, the guard, the guards are, 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 are a rock inside. But I, I, I'm definitely – I'm not going to say I'm concerned about the tackle position um, too much, but the, what I don't like is that we don't have, this is the first time in a few years where we haven't had a solidified line, right? That we have this rotation going and that shows that when you see rotations, it's because no one is doing enough to solidify themselves as that spot, right? So the, who, who, who is one better at pass blocking, one better at run blocking. Like it, I, I don't like the, the inconsistencies there. So I'm hoping you could probably get away with it though, with this upcoming opponent in Nebraska, uh, but at some point, you know, when you, when you go on the road against Penn State, you got your rival games, you need to know who that line is. And to your point earlier about consistency and repetition for the line, like chemistry and communication is literally the top two things that you can have uh, as an offensive line, and you can't do that with rotating players. Yeah, and another thing to pay attention to, um, especially now that, you know, Nebraska, not a great team coming up, but... Nebraska's not an easy place to play. They got a good fan base. It's going to be loud. You know, we'll talk about this a little bit when we preview Nebraska, but can be mentioned here, you know, how does this offensive line with two, you know, two new pieces out of the five starting and then obviously the rotation and right tackle, but how does the communication on the road in a loud environment um, affect them? If it affects them, right? It's something to watch for, uh, you know, starting their first four games at home, you know, home fans understand like, hey, we're quieter when the team's on offense sort of thing, especially pre-snap. Uh, it's not going to be that way this week in Nebraska or next week in Minnesota, um, especially Minnesota's going to be a night game. So I expect that crowd to be uh, a pretty good one for them. But it'll be interesting to see how the offense in general, but especially communicating on the O-line, you know, are we able to avoid false starts or miss assignments? You know, can the, will Michigan have the communication down uh, to avoid self-inflicted errors uh, like that? I imagine there'll be a little bit of it. It'll, it'll take a maybe I want to say a series, like a couple series, but I wouldn't be surprised if we come out in Nebraska and we go three and out and got to sell down a little bit. Yeah, hopefully not, but you know, you never know. Uh, it's always always interesting to see the first road test, especially um, that's at the beginning of a new season. So, uh, and then another one that's been a hot topic all over, uh, you know, Michigan fan base, uh, Mr. Donovan Edwards uh, again. Uh, not a not a flashy stat line by any means, especially running the ball. Uh, only six carries for 13 yards. Um, longest run was eight yards. And passing-wise, he was involved a little more. Two catches for 41 yards. Um, you know, it's a it's a point of you know, and we've talked about it. It's we know the, what we have. Edwards is a very talented back. He's a guy you probably want to get more in space than you know, hammer between the tackles per se. Um, but obviously this year it's been a slow, a slower start for him. And, you know, one thing we talked about that we've noticed is, you know, maybe Edwards is feeling that pressure a little bit too. And it's just, you know, he, maybe he's pushing a little bit. Maybe he's trying a little too hard to make something happen and things like that, where maybe he's just got to be a little more patient, let things come to him. But, 
you know, I'm not I'm not pressing the panic button by any means on Edwards. I think he's gonna he'll get in his role. You know, and again, we've talked about it. Michigan's offense, they weren't opening up the whole playbook, especially in their first three games. They're going to open up a little more now each week by week, but, you know, and they'll continue to throw in some wrinkles, but they're going to save their best stuff, um, you know, for later in the season when, you know, opponents get bigger or situations and games that are tighter that they're going to need them, you know, up 24 to 7 on the Rutgers. There's no reason to pull out some flashy, flashy things. So, you know, they're going to continue to feed Edwards the ball. He's a big-time playmaker, a big-time X-factor for this offense. I expect him to continue to get more reps in the passing game. You know, he's out there, obviously. He's lining up all over the place. You know, whether, you know, part of being a, a good player is you're going to be decoy on some because, you know, the offense or defense is going to focus in on him and they're going to, you know, maybe throw it to someone else, you know, someone newer, you know, an A.J. Barner or a Darius Clemens or a Morris, you know, someone not big name, you know, making a name for themselves per se, um, and and things like that. So there's a lot of reasons to why, um, you know, it's a, it's been a little bit of a slow start for Edwards, um, but by no means am I concerned, and I, I definitely think they'll get this figured out, and, you know, sometime in the next week or so, or next couple of games, uh, Edwards is going to have a big time stat line and, you know, we're going to be able to put that, that worry to rest. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I think there's, you know, obviously he had a hell of a game against Penn state last year, a great game against Ohio state, you know, those two massive runs that solidified our victory. So obviously that when you do something that big, he had some big plays in the TCU game too, obviously. Um, uh, that there's this anticipation of like, okay, why is Edwards not doing that? Because we we've seen it as a fan base. A lot of it is like you mentioned, scheme and what we're trying to do. Um, I do think, I mean, I want to keep Corm healthy, right? So you know, I I think overall this year, I think Michigan fans need to calm down a little bit. I think his production may not be as high, just on the fact that Corm is still our main back. Um, when it comes to the run game, I do think this will be Donovan Edwards' best receiving year. Um, with, you know, he'll probably have multiple touchdowns, you know, maybe seven, 800 yards. We'll, we'll see. I think there's going to be a lot of different things that they can do uh, with him. And I think that's what they see in him is a football player. Um, I, we we kind of know what Quorum is, right? He's a running back. I don't see Quorum as a slot receiver. Kid not going to line up out wide. He He's a running back. But Donovan's just a football player. He can play outside receiver. He can play slot receiver, running back. He can do wildcat stuff. He's whatever you want him to be. We for God's sakes, he's throwing a touchdown pass at the University of Michigan. Like we know the dude, he's, he just does it all. So I think when you have a weapon like that, sometimes it's you know how you have a when you have a weapon like that, it's tough to really figure out what ways you want to use him. This week is he going to be more of a running back? This week is more of a slot? Um, and I, at the end of the day, I trust that uh, our staff will continue to figure out his strengths. Um, and get him in the best position possible. And I think you're right that it may not be this week, may not be next week, but he's going to make he's going to make a play and say, ah, there he is, and it's going to be a big time play and a big time moment. And uh, Michigan fans will calm down at that point. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. Big time football player, like you said, and but it, it it's going to blow before long. You know, he's going to burst onto the scene, uh, scene, and he will be uh, the worries will ease. Um, now don't. Be honest with me, Jordan, when, uh, you know, debatable if it was a penalty or not, actually, but when Turner missed that kick from 42 yards out, did you have flashbacks? Did you close your eyes and just see a picture of Jake Moody and like, oh, man, I miss him already? Like, 
Oh, dude, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we were very blessed to have a kicker like Jake, man. I mean, you don't. there's a reason why he went third round in the NFL draft, right? He's a top-tier player at his position. So if anyone had the same expectation that the next guy was going to be Jake Moody, they were, they're, they're asinine, right? They're, they're wrong. I, I think you, you were, I don't think James Turner is a bad kicker, um, but I don't think like, like, for example, if we have a, a similar game, like we did at Illinois last year, I think we lose that game this year. You know, when we had to rely on that many kicks from Jake to hit, hit it, I don't think James is that guy. I think James can hit a couple a game, but I'm not, I don't want to be the, I don't want him to, kick six or seven field goal opportunities, he might miss two. Right, so I, I'm, I'm confident that he can hit him when they need to. But overall, I don't want him to, you know, have to – I don't want to put him in tough moments. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, like you said, more often than not, just lucky to have a guy as consistent and as have a range like Moody did um, for – what do we have him for five years, four years? Yeah, four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that doesn't happen very that, often. That and our punter. I mean, we had Jet Rob. You no, know, we had we we probably had the top special teams unit for four or five years. Yeah, Robbins, man, he's uh, on like, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. So both are NFL yeah. players now. Uh, Robbins yep. beat out whoever the Bengals punter was the last couple of years uh, for the job this year. So uh, good for them. Um. So something I want to uh, just add, get get your opinion on before we get to um, around the nation. Um, but we talk about, you know, how this team, you know, obviously not showing a ton to this point, you know, regarding the playbook and stuff like that. Um, you know, we've talked about some of these slower games or sloppier games maybe. Maybe Michigan's playing a little bit bored. You know, we talked about that a little bit last week. Like, hey, it's kind of a lazy excuse, but at the same time, you know, we're talking about a, a majority of a team that's come back from – a very successful two years in terms of, you know, winning a lot of your rivalry games, really only losing to Michigan State, um, you know, once in the last two seasons, being Ohio State and Penn State in those two seasons. Um, obviously, back-to-back playoff appearances, back-to-back Big Ten championships. Now, you know, they haven't looked great against some of the teams. Obviously, they've won. They've won comfortably, but it hasn't been, like, like, like we said, the most dominant or cleanest performances against some of these bad teams. And, you know, we can attribute to that maybe like, hey, you know, they're just they've gotten used to playing in these big games the last couple of years. They're just kind of bored with the ones they know they're going to win sort of thing. Um, are you at all concerned that Michigan's first real test is for most likely going to be on the road in Happy Valley? Like, hey, we're going and I know we can't really control our conference schedule, right? Like it is what it is sort of thing. But Rutgers at Nebraska at Minnesota. um, what Michigan state or something, Indiana's in there and then at Penn state and like wolves, right? Like, so does that, does that make you a little nervous? I know there's nothing, you know, Michigan or us can really do about it, obviously, but does it make you a little nervous that, you know, we're playing not really a lot of, you know, not to disrespect any of the schools on our schedule, but on the surface, they're all teams or on paper, they're all teams. Michigan should handle pretty, pretty well. Right. Does it concern you at all that our first true test is going to be on the road in one of the hardest environments uh, in the country and uh, at Penn State? Absolutely, it does. I mean, we, we, I think you and I both are on the same page that as of right now, Penn State Penn State is the real deal. Um, I, I think they uh, are they they have a great defense, great offense. Uh, Drew Aller's playing well. They have a great run game. Like this is probably the most complete Penn State team in the last few years. Um, I think Sean Clifford was holding them back for a few years. Um, so I think, you know, that change is important. Now, 
I, are we in a situation where James Franklin's going to James Franklin at some point? Potentially. Um, but I don't love it either. Yeah, you said that Nebraska, you know, at, at Minnesota. And uh, you got to take it game by game. But these, you know, Michigan State's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a dogfight every year. You know, it's going to be a chippy game. Absolutely. Um, but, no, I think to your point that we are we are the best team over these next you know, four or five weeks until we go into Penn State, and I think that's probably the most equally matched game that we'll have all year. And, you know, there is something to be said about when, you know, I, I as much as I hate the program, you know, I respect Ohio State for playing Notre Dame, right? You know, you, you get a, you get a top, you know, a, a tough game early on in the year, you know, to really kind of see where your team's at. Same can be said with Texas, Alabama, like those, those big time games. Uh, the way the current format is in, in college football, I understand why a lot of teams don't like Michigan. Uh, when you know when they don't take a top tier team because it's not worth it, um, but I still respect the choice. So, I, I'm what we need to see is continual improvement. We need we need to dominate. We need to continue to see our defense do what they're doing. I think if we're honest with ourselves, the defense is ahead of the offense, in my humble opinion. Um, and I, I'd, I'd like to see us get more consistent in the areas that we've been in the last two years with the run game and uh, be able to hit on all cylinders with the play-action pass and see our playmakers like Olsen Loveland, Roman Wilson, uh, CJ. we got to still find another receiver. It's good to get Darius Clemens back. Um, but we, I, I don't I don't love it, like you said. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens in, what was it, November 11th? Yeah, a noon, noon, noon at November 11th. But before then, we got some games we got to get to. <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree with you on your stance that the defense is ahead of the offense. And, you know, I'm not – Defense travels. I'm not too worried about the defense going into Penn State and laying a stinker. I'm more concerned about a slow start offensively and not being able to recover sort of thing. Um, You know, Michigan's made a living, obviously, the last two years on when they beat these opponents, it's because they've been able to run the ball successfully, and obviously running the ball travels pretty well, too. Um, You know, the the inconsistency so far, you know, the less, you know – Yards per carry average we got right now, per se. Um, that's that's the little concerning part to me. Like, if you can't go on the road and kind of, you know, get comfortable or, you know, kind of at least show that you can move the ball on the ground, if you have to resort just to passing or, you know, more passing than they want to, um, that's what that's what concerns me a little bit. And obviously, Penn State's defense looks very legit. They had a great game against Iowa this last, uh, this past Saturday. Um, again, not... Not saying Iowa's offense is, you know, anywhere near what ours should be, even with the upgrades of McNamara, Eric All, and things like that. Obviously, a step from what Iowa was last year. Um, but I still was surprised that they got shut down as bad as they did. I guess that the the work Penn State did defensively was outstanding, to say the least. No doubt, no doubt. I think, uh, and I, I don't have Penn State's schedule in front of me, but I do think they have some big time games before us anyway. I think they got. I, I think I want to say they play Ohio State before they get to us. I think they do I too. I think correctly. they play Ohio State at the end of October. Yeah, yep. It is. They got Northwestern Cupcake, Massachusetts Cupcake, and then they go at at Ohio State on ten twenty one. So, and that'll be you know to me if I, there's a part of me that think like I still think Ohio State's not as legit as they were last year. And if Penn State goes into Columbus and wins that game, it that's going to be a massive game in, in, in Lions Stadium at the, in, a few, in a few weeks. Yeah, no doubt. And we can just use that transition uh, to talk about a couple of those big games we, uh, that happened around the country on Saturday. We'll start with the Ohio State game. 
uh, at Notre Dame. They they won at the buzzer, Jordan. They made the plays when they had to, even if the last two plays were against a 10-man defense. Um, can we, can we stop right there for a second, Chad? <laughs> you make too much damn money to have off a timeout to have 10 guys on the field for the last two game, the last two plays of that game. You make too much money. That's yeah, how does someone not recognize that, right? You got how many box coaches, four or five, and you got how many dudes on the sideline? Like, I understand the moment is significant. Don't get me wrong. It's a big-time situation. But you're telling me you guys can't, as football coaches, realize, huh, something looks wrong that you have a massive gap on the left side of your def- on the right side of your defense? Oh, yeah, because you had 10 guys on it. You know, you deserve to lose that game. Ridiculous. Yeah, not a great showing by Notre Dame. Um, I mean, overall, it was a good football game. Well fought, uh, things like that. Notre Dame's defense was very impressive. I thought Ohio State's defense looked uh, a little uh, improved. Um, you know, my I guess my biggest takeaway is I while Cal McCord looked good, I still I still have questions about him in in general in terms of. You know, he made a big time throw when he needed to to get the, the, the ball down to the three yard line or whatever it was. Well, there were two passes that really should have been picked off on that final drive, and I know Notre Dame's got to catch them, you know, things like that. But there was also some questionable passes and decisions throughout that game that, you know, Notre Dame's defense just didn't seem to be able to take advantage of during that game. And, you know, I'd like to think that Michigan's defense, I, I think it's a little bit better than Notre Dame's. I think. You know, in comparison, I think they'd be able to make some of those plays that Notre Dame wasn't able to. So I'm not going to say Ohio State's lucky they won, um, but they definitely had some chips fall their way uh, in a sense to uh, to win that game. You know, overall, great job. You know, both teams fought very hard, and there were opportunities for both teams throughout that game to, you know, go up or, you know, add to their score or, you know, things like that. And Ohio State was the one that was able to do it and get it done at the end. Um, but I didn't leave that game like, oh man, Ohio State beat Notre Dame. Like, watch out. Like, I just thought it was two, two solid football teams. Um, I don't know if either of them are great yet. Uh, there was nothing in that game for either side that said, wow, these are these are two great football teams. I just think they're two really good football teams, and um, both, and specifically Ohio State for the you know, our, you know, sake of this podcast and Big Ten and you know the rivalry anyway. Um, I still think they have some some improvements to show or you know improving to do, much like Michigan does. Michigan has a lot to show too. Um, and like you said, credit to Ohio State for playing that game, especially on the road at Notre Dame. That's you know a big time win, um, but still some questions to like kind of like you said earlier, the legitimacy or how tough is this team uh, gonna be when it comes to well, their matchups Ryan, with Penn State? Ryan and Michigan. Day thinks they're very tough, so we'll oh, take him for his word. He does. Lou Holtz got yeah. in his head, and you know Lou mm-hmm. Holtz actually it, proved to the world that Michigan has been living in uh, uh, Ryan Day's uh, head rent free apparently yeah. for the last two years. So only one bad. Only I guess that's the 2021 yeah. half in Ann Arbor. Well, in in Ann Arbor, right? I forgot. I, I thought he was referencing the half last, last year, yeah. but. Yeah, but I guess that was that was a good half for them. So good to know that that's their standard. But I loved it. That was that was hilarious to know that Ryan Day, when he closes his eyes at night to go to sleep, all he sees is Jim Harbaugh. Dude. So hey, good good for him. I mean, like I said, we'll see. As as we've talked about, Michigan hasn't been super impressive yet this year either. Um, so you know, I I'm not gonna go out and say yeah, Michigan's gonna definitely kick their ass again, but. You know, we'll, we'll see. Both teams, obviously, two months out still, so each team is going to improve and get better tremendously from where they're at now, uh, most likely. But, um, 
interesting, interesting takeaway and in what was a very good game uh, this past Saturday. Uh, we already oh, covered entertaining, no doubt. Oh yeah, we uh, covered Penn State already over Iowa. Um, again, a little surprising. They're de- not surprising, but their defense played better than I expected. Penn State's offense looked great. Um, actually, tore Iowa up a little more than I expected them to. Um, but we kind of already discussed that one. Uh, Florida State barely escaped Clemson. Um, was that a little surprising to you, even though it was a road game in Clemson? Um, I not it wasn't as I thought it was gonna be a little bit more lopsided, but not like a blowout or anything. But I mean, like I said, and I, I believe it was our previous episode that you know when it comes to talent, that was a tit for tat type of game. There's not a lot of discrepancy in no doubt what type of players they have on the other side. So if so, it all comes down to execution and. Uh, of, of their game plan and at the end of the day Florida State just did enough you know the the changing point in that game I don't know if you watched it was that uh, safety blitz or nickel nickel blitz that came off the edge and uh, had that strip sack touchdown so I think uh, that was just a play that Clemson couldn't overcome it tied the ball game up or my ticket given the lead I can't remember but uh, I I'm very um, I like I like Florida State situation, man. I think Jordan Travis is legit. That receiving core is awesome. I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. So I'm enjoying watching them uh, play this year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, another game we talked about uh, that we both thought, you know, the result happened that we figured might happen. Uh, Oregon absolutely decimated Colorado. Um, outgained them 522 yards to 199 in a 42-6 route. Um, you know, again, the Colorado story has been great. You know, they've they've definitely overachieved from, you know, only being a one-win team last year, and I think Prime's doing good stuff, and, you know, eventually he's going to have that program up, probably being able to compete with the big dogs in college. Uh, but we knew it was going to get to a point where they just weren't going to have the horses for the race, and that was evident uh, in this game this past Saturday. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I I, I think, you know, I mentioned it was going to be kind of getting ugly in Eugene, and I, I thought it may be a little bit, a little bit more competitive than what it was, but... You know, I think, uh, to your point, I think Prime is going to give him a couple years. He's going to get some legitimate players. You know, he already has some on that roster. You know, his best player in Travis Hunter didn't play. Does he? Do they win the game if he plays? No, but, you know, I, he might have made some plays to score touchdown here or there and get an interception. Who knows? Um, but, you know, he, I, this man can recruit. Um, and with them going to the Big 12 after this season, and especially with Texas and Oklahoma leaving to the SEC, Colorado is going to be relevant in the Big 12 for a while, so I think uh, keep keep an eye out on them. They're going to be just fine, but I think they're a seven seven eight win team this year. I think they're going to get smoked by USC at home again. You know this upcoming weekend. I think Caleb Williams is going to do what what Caleb Williams does, um, and then they'll probably settle down a little bit and get some more equal opponents um, that they can you know have some dogfights with. Yeah, and we knew the biggest difference in this game was going to be the ability to run the ball. Oregon 240 rushing yep. yards, the Colorado's 40. Um, and a lot of that, again, comes down to, you know, Oregon's got a beautiful or, you know, big offensive line, a good offensive line, and we knew Colorado's wasn't going to be great. And we also knew Colorado's defensive line probably wasn't going to be able to withstand the constant, you know, beating from Oregon's offensive line. So, um, you know, it and it led to that expected kind of lopsided score, right? Um, it will be it will be interesting to see this next game too because both teams USC and uh, Colorado both don't have strong run games so it's just going to be a freaking yeah no strong you know, defenses exactly so it could it re- out of the two games oddly enough I think this matchup better fits Colorado 
not saying they're going to win, but I think naturally there's a better talent get or, or you know equal talent way as far as how they want to uh, run their offenses. So I think or I think Oregon you know is better is the best outside of Washington. I don't, I don't know if Colorado plays Washington, but I think it goes Washington, Oregon are the top two defenses in that conference. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, lastly, Alabama was able to withstand Ole Miss. Um, Jalen Milrow. Well, back. fact, you have to use withstand is uh, just says enough well, right there, Chad. <laughs> it was a close game for a while. I mean, Ole Miss led it, it half was. seven to six, yeah. and then Alabama kind of came out. You know, only allowed three second half points. Um, Alabama was able to kind of take control, get the twenty-four to ten victory. Um, but you know, we talked about last week. I figured Jalen Milrow starting would help boost the offense again. Um. Not that he's a Heisman candidate by any means, but definitely better than the other guys they got on the roster at the quarterback position. Um, and just, uh, again, I I had a hard time believing Alabama was going to drop two straight road games, or uh, sorry, two straight home games. Um, you know, it's just unlike Alabama, I'd have been kind of surprised if they did, but, you know, it was looking rough there for a while, but they are able to come back and, you know, take care of business when all was said and done. So uh, Alabama at least in terms of uh, fighting for an SEC uh, championship, uh, lives another lives another week. Oh yeah, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves too, like they're not. There's a couple games. I mean, they they got the LSU game in in, Nova, in November. Um, Tennessee kind of seems fraudulent, right? You know, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Arkansas, like whatever. So they're not really going to have two. I think they continue to win just based on. I don't. I can't doubt Nick Saban as a coach, um, but it will be a good game, I think, on 11-4 against LSU. But they should still probably represent their side of the SEC in the in the yeah, uh, SEC think, championship. You would think for sure. Uh, that I, I look forward to that LSU Bama game. That should be a actually pretty competitive uh, ball game. Um, any other games you want to cover or uh, touch on really quick before we uh, move on? I think at the end of the day, no, I think those are the big ones. There's not any other games. I was like, dang, I'm, I was, you know, that was too surprising. I mean, I guess the, the just gut reaction, 14-7, Utah, UCLA. I, I thought that was going to be more of a high-scoring affair and a little bit more offense. but Utah's uh, defense is but, legit, man. I mean, seven other points yeah. was a pick six. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, we talked about it a little bit on Saturday. I was – I was kind of surprised that US uh, Utah was able to hold UCLA to only seven points. I thought, like kind of like you said, that'd be a little bit more of a scoring affair. But uh, you know, Utah's defense is is one of the best in the country. It's it's impressive what they've been able to do, and impressive that they've been able to get to four and zero despite not having their starting quarterback. So that's just a that's a good football team, uh, you know, across the board at, in Utah right now. This might be naive of me to say, but what happened to Cam Rising? What was his injury? Do we know? I want to say he tore his ACL last year. Let's see. Oh, okay. So he and then uh, he is just not in full recovery yet. Correct. He's you know expecting okay. to be back soon, but I'm pretty sure it was. No, it's an ankle injury. I guess I thought it was a knee injury, but okay. uh, oh no, okay. let's see. Lost number ten Utah lost Cam Rising to a torn ACL in last year's Rose Bowl. So yeah, he's trying to recover right. from a ACL. So okay. It's uh, questionable when he'll be back. I mean, I'm sure the team has a better date, but as you know, with college sports, they don't really have to share timelines or anything like the NFL does. So it's uh, it's a, a week to week up in the air for us. <laughs> uh, but no you know, doubt. they could. No he comes back, and you know, he doesn't look too rusty and things like that. I mean, this Utah team could definitely be a sleeper uh, for a you know potential playoff for. They're just like I said, they're a good team, and they upset UCLA well, got, yeah, last year in the Pac you. championship. So 
Right, and I mean they got USC's number. You know they know how to beat them. Uh, I mean it's got, it's been high scoring affairs, but I, I it's a great program. I, I love coaching Wingham over there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, before we end the show today, let's get to the top twenty-five really quick. Just uh, some movement around. Um, Ohio State jumped back up to four, two spots from six. Uh, you know, Florida State fell one. Uh, USC and you know I'm gonna agree with it. Uh, fell three spots from five to eight. Uh, you know, only beat Arizona State by two scores. Um, you know, yeah. expect them to look a little bit better in that game and. Uh, obviously they did not, so they fall to eight. Washington actually surpassed them um, as the top Pac-12 team now, um, up to number seven. Penn State moved up one to number six. Um, so I mean, all the all the teams relatively the same in the top ten. Oregon and Utah uh, slide into nine and ten. And Notre Dame obviously fell a couple spots uh, after they lost to Ohio State. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to kind of watch this specifically the three Big Ten teams up here right now and the. Uh, four Pac-12 teams, uh, kind of how uh, attrition kind of takes over in terms of throughout the season because, you know, obviously some teams got to beat teams and these guys are, most of them are all on each other's schedule. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for, you know, quite a few of these teams that all could have arguments of being a playoff playoff contender, obviously, right now. And I think this, to me right now, and I I saw someone say it the other day, and I kind of agree with it. I, there doesn't seem to be a like dynasty team right now. You know, obviously Georgia's you no know, one back to back, but they're they're not as dominant as they have been in the years past. So far this year, like there's a lot. What I'm also saying, there seems to be a lot more opportunity for other schools like a Washington, like a USC, like a Florida State. Uh, that that you know, I think to me this is why. To me, and now I'm understanding more why they're they're going to move to a 12-man. If this can continue to be the case, there really could be 12 programs that could be contenders year in and year out, and not just waste people's time. Yeah, they keep going in this direction. I, I'm I'm interested to see when Georgia plays someone for real too. Um, yeah. I kind of get the sense of kind of like we've talked about with Michigan. You know, again, I. I find the boredom thing kind of a lazy excuse, but I, you know, there is an argument for it, and I could see Georgia kind of in that same situation too. They haven't really played anybody of huge consequence yet. Um, obviously, South Carolina probably the best opponent they've played so far, and you know, Georgia beat them. It wasn't a sexy game by any means, but they got the job done, sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how the season go out goes on. Like, okay, so starting to look like the strong Georgia team we remember from the last couple of years. Kind of same with Michigan. Um, is this the same Michigan team we've kind of seen the last couple of years? Or, okay, we're in week eight now. Yeah, they're 8-0, but, man, they've had some close calls. It hasn't looked dominant. Like, you know, that's a conversation to just kind of keep an eye on as we as we move forward throughout the season. Man, there's a lot of Pac-12 teams ranked. Like, I'm just noticing that Washington mm-hmm. State down at 16. Good for them. Oregon State, that was, a big, that, was a big, that was a big win for them over Oregon State. Yeah, yeah, no, big time. So, um Back 12 in their last year of existence coming to play. <laughs> coming out with a bang. We're getting freaking four of these teams coming to the Big Ten next year. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Um, remember, you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts by searching the Victors-Michigan Podcast. Uh, you can also subscribe to Between the Whistles Detroit on YouTube to catch our podcast as well as the rest of your Detroit sports needs. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. We appreciate the support as always. 
uh like subscribe review you know helps us helps us build this thing up and we'd appreciate that um we'll be back on our next episode to preview our upcoming game at nebraska go blue go blue